think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. So they're gonna throw me out of here, fellas. You're gonna get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors, or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 331 of Low Limit Football on this 4th of July, 2021. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, the semifinals are set in the Euros and the Copa America. We're going to look back on the quarterfinal results, as well as look forward to the title and midweek matchups with our very special guest, Mr. Ralph Hanna from Guinness World Records and Guarani Vision. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. Uh, my voice is a little dead today, so you don't mind speaking a little more today, do you? No, absolutely not, because if results had gone my way the other day, I would have probably been in the same situation as you are. Yeah. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I don't know. But no, good to be back. Uh, obviously, kind of a bit heartbroken for Paraguay not making it to the semifinals of the Copa. We lost on penalties after a really a dramatic game. Six mm. goals in the first 90 minutes, um, 10 men on both teams, and only to lose it on the penalty shootout. Um Sucks, but hey, what can you do? At least, you know, we have some really good matches heading up into the semifinals of the Copa and as well in the European Championships. You know, we got, you know, a couple of teams that we expected to be there, one that I think none of us really expected to be there as mm -hmm. well. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to to juggle all these matches and, and obviously with our special guest and who, you know, it's kind of, if you think about it, Joe, I, I think if results go their way, they might be facing each other next week. That is that is very true. Let's get our guest in here right away. Um, so again, like I had mentioned, uh, joining us tonight from Guinness World Records and Wadani Vision, uh, a show that you're a part of, uh, Roberto, is uh, Ralph Hanna. Ralph, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back. Hey Joe, hi Roberto. Thanks for having me. On. It's good to be back. And and obviously let's um let's jump into the show real quick. Uh, and I do have a trivia question for us, and that's the trivia question actually comes from the Copa America and specifically from Colombia. And since we have somebody from Guinness World Records here, I thought it would be best to have a record-breaking question. So uh, if you gentlemen are ready, I'm going to present this one to both of you. David Ospina set the record for most caps for Colombia in this tournament. Whose record did he break? That's it. That's it. That's oh, oh, he gave it. All right. Well, uh, trivia question <laughs> and answer here. That is correct. Uh, David Ospina 
uh, set the record with 112 caps, breaking Carlos Valderrama's run of 111 caps that he made from 85 to 98. So um, I would have made that guess as well anyway. Yeah, I, I knew it would be a tough one. Um, you know, it wouldn't be too, too tough, but certainly one of my favorite players of all time in LP base. So I, I thought it was a great question to have. And uh, again, so the listeners will get the answer and uh, question and answer right away. Um, so let's jump into it, gentlemen. Uh, let's go to the Euros first. And in the Euros, we had we had a great week of football. Um, recapping the results, Spain 2-1 over Switzerland, Belgium 2-1 over Italy, hence my voice. I'm sorry, the other way around. Italy 2-1 over Belgium, hence my voice. Uh, and then yesterday, we saw Denmark with uh, a 2-1 victory over the Czech Republic. And then England closing out the quarterfinals with a massive 4-0 win at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome against Ukraine. Um, some highs and lows in this particular round, gentlemen. First off, uh, Patrick Schick goes joint top goal scorer in this tournament at five goals. Um, however, is not going to be able to expand on his lead or expand on that uh, that particular amount. Um, England, a team that's only scored really one goal here, one goal there. Uh, they did manage two against Germany, but uh, you know, a team that hasn't conceded a goal yet in this tournament and come up with uh, with their shooting boots. Also, the fact that Raheem Sterling did not score in this matchup. Uh, for the first time for England because up until this point, he had scored in every match for them. Um, Italy's excitement is is certainly tempered with the loss of Leonardo Spinazzola to a Achilles tendon injury, which he'll be out for the rest of the tournament and most of the Serie A season coming up. And then Spain, 2-1 over Switzerland, um, a very a very tough, uh, hard-fought match for Spain, but one that they did eke out. Roberto, I'm going to go to you first. What are your overall impressions of the quarterfinals um, were they ex- as exciting as you thought they would be? And what does it lead you to believe going into the uh, semifinal round? Well, I think when you look at it from a bigger perspective, I think certainly the round of 16 was kind of a bit more surprising if you think about it, Joe. You know, we saw the Dutch lose to the Czechs. You know, we saw France, the reigning world champions, and probably everyone's favorite to win this tournament, lose to Switzerland after a really dramatic game in extra time. Um, England obviously beating that hump of, 55 years without beating Germany in a major tournament, winning it at Wembley. Obviously, that gave them a lot of confidence now. And, you know, Ukraine as well. I think, you know, they had a a really dramatic win against Sweden. So it's been quite a a tournament of shocks, I would say. Not major, major shocks. I don't think we have a – well, I think we do. I think we have our dark horse team in the likes of Denmark who, you know, when you think about it, Joe, three weeks ago, they were kind of in a situation of, like, how this team was going to rebound after – the um the collapse of Christian Eriksen and their win and their loss against Finland and now they just bounced back and, and to think about it you know they had two losses to their name and they had to get a four one win over Russia on the final day and then defeating Wales four nil defeating the Czechs as well I mean and now they're in a semi final you know one game away from a from a final in, in at Wembley so it, it's been quite a interesting tournament so far i think for italy's case they have looked so good all around i think they've been absolutely impressed we spoke about this joe you remember it you know we spoke about this you know weeks before the tournament started that italy if they were going to set up well that they were going to be a team that were going to challenge and they did so you know they were perfect in the group stage you know they they did well uh you know they kind of suffered a bit against austria suffered a bit against belgium which you know, many people were kind of thinking, okay, how is this team going to do against a more stronger team? They got that way out, and now they're in a semifinal against Spain, a, a team that also, you know, kind of had a bit of a doubts as well. You know, they didn't really start off their group stage uh, to the to the, the best amount, you know, two draws, the one against Sweden and the one against Poland, only to then defeat Slovakia um, 5-0 on the final day to go then into the round of 16, beating 
Croatia in extra time, then Switzerland on penalties. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite interesting. And, of course, for England, you know, I think <laughs> you said it there, you know, the fact that they've had quite a, a solid defense, I think, in this, in this entire tournament, having conceded a goal yet with Jordan Pickford, where many people were looking into that team as um, looking at the def- defense as their as probably their their weakest link given the attacking power that they have and and now here they are you know one game one game away from the final at Wembley and you know they're going to end the tournament at Wembley regardless of what happens if they lose here against Denmark or they go all the way to the final they're going to finish the tournament there so it's it's been kind of fascinating i should say and you know i'll jump to Ralph in this one and, and start from here i just wanted your thoughts on Kind of now heading into these two semifinals, both of them at Wembley, Italy against Spain, two teams who love to play against each other, have a good history. The last time Spain played against them, it was in the final, the Euros, they won 4-0, that great Spain team that won all those titles in, in 2012, and then obviously England against Denmark. So it, it kind of is painting a bigger picture for probably the big favorites now, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's um, you rounded it up very well. Roberto, and just one thing to point out, and this has been obviously such a long season for everybody playing, um, and it's interesting that these four finalists, all of them played their three group games at home. So, you know, the way the format this Euros has kind of worked out, it's definitely, I think, given a benefit to those teams that that didn't have to travel as much after such a long season. And then in England's case, particularly, they're, you know, they're, they're back at Wembley now. They'll, they'll only have played one game outside of Wembley the whole tournament. So I think that is, you know, that's, that's a huge advantage for them going into, the, going into the semifinal against Denmark. And you spoke about the defence. And also, I think, you know, Southgate's been criticised a lot for being too defensive. But, but there we saw in the quarterfinals, they managed to score four goals. Um, I think Ukraine would be very disappointed how they defended from set pieces because, you know, that was that was kind of maybe gifting England too much of a of a head start. Um, <clears throat> but I think you know England going into the semi final at home should be should be favourites. You don't want to. I know a lot of people back home in England don't want to jinx things and that kind of thing, but. But I think you know they are they are certainly the stronger team on paper. Although Denmark has played some really nice football. Um, you've just seen that stability throughout the tournament. And then for me, the only other side that's matched that in the Euros is, is Italy, because I think since Italy started, they started off with a 3-0 win. They, they've just looked really good all, uh, all around the pitch. They, they kind of, they've gelled together, I think, at the right time. And again, they're coming into a game against a Spanish team that's played uh, a couple of, of extra time again, talking about this long season and and people having to, uh, you know, having to have rested and all that kind of thing. Now Spain come in having played 60 minutes more than than Italy, so that that should also give Italy, I think, a, a slight advantage. Um, with, with Spain, I think they faltered a bit in terms of, in terms of finding the right sort of creative spark and and attacking. Uh, attacking ability. I mean, I know they did score. They did end up scoring lots of goals against in the round of 16, but they did extra time. And then actually against Switzerland, I think their expected goals in extra time was two, um, but they couldn't score. And the, and the game went to penalties, of course. So so I think for, for Spain, what they're missing is maybe, you know, that, that attacking ability to come into this big game. I mean, for sure, we're not going to see a kind of 4-0, like like you just mentioned in the year 2012, this would be 
much tighter if Spain were to win it, but I do think Italy could could be the ones to do it. So we'd have this this big England-Italy matchup, which are probably the I think have been the two favourites since some of those you know since the quarterfinals were drawn. Yeah, absolutely. And then Joe, I mean, you could you know jump in and obviously talk about your Italy side. I, I think now the big factor here is probably you know everyone wants to talk about you know the goals that have been scored from the likes of you know Immobile, Insigne, Locatelli, Pessino's had a great tournament so far, Barella. Um, but I think the one main factor now heading into this side for for Mancini is having to deal with the loss of Spinazzola. I mean, how big of a loss do you think that will be? And do you think that will be a huge factor? even against the Spain side that had to play back-to-back games in extra time. Yeah, no, I think it becomes a big factor because uh, Leo Spinazzola was arguably one of the best players in this entire tournament. And um, to go down with, with such a big injury like that is, has been, is going to be difficult for Mancini to overcome. Uh, he does have a great replacement in Emerson Palmieri, but if you remember on the other side, we've also lost Florenzi to injury in this tournament so far too. So, Mancini's going to his B-level wingbacks, um, you know, his second level, not his first choice. And I think that could be a little difficult against Spain. But at the same time, you know, the team has proven that they can unplug and replug pieces and still be fantastic. Even look back at the uh, the match against Wales where they made eight changes to the starting lineup and they were still able to do it. So um, <clears throat> I, I think Mancini's got the right team to be able to survive something like this. But it is certainly going to be noticed in the in the build up and the lead up to the semi semifinal match. Absolutely, and so I guess we can make our predictions in terms of these semifinals, guys. And let's go first into that game between Italy and Spain. I'll go first in saying that I, I think it's a tight one. I think history will prove that Spain might have a, a smaller or maybe even a better edge on this one. They have a really good side. I, I've, I've picked that side to go at least to the quarterfinals, and I think anything above that would be uh, an overachievement for at least a side that looks to be more in transition, you know, kind of with the last few pieces of that side that had won so many titles beforehand. I mean, the only major one was that of, of Sergio Busquets, but, um, and Jordi Alba as well, I think, won the Euros. But, um, Rob, I'll go to you on this one first. I, I think Italy have had a wonderful tournament so far, and they look so attacking. They look so they look, they look like a really cohesive unit. I think it'll be a tight one, but ultimately, I think Italy edges this out and goes to the final. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with you, Roberto. Could, we could see something like the 2006 World Cup semifinal where Italy needed extra time to get past Germany. I think it could be something like that, that you have a tight game and Italy are just able to, to turn it on late. Absolutely. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, and, and Ralph, that is a great shout because I, I do think it will be a tight match like that 2006 semifinal. Um, you know, you harken back to the, the final of the 2012 uh, Euros where Spain beat Italy 4 nothing. That was kind of the last hurrah for a, a golden generation for, for Spain in that one. And I can't help but think that this, this Italian side, um, you know, except for Bonucci and Chiellini, are the next golden generation side. I, you know, I, I think French is, France is there too, but I think we would be talking about France more in those terms if they had made it to this point. Um, but Italy here, I think we're starting to see the emergence of Italy's golden generation for this particular run. And, and from that perspective, yeah, I th- you know, I think there are some, you know, some thoughts back to that 4-0 loss in 2012. I mean, Bonucci and Chiellini were both on that team. So there are memories there as well. And I think... It will be a hard-fought battle. I think it'll be a close battle, but I do think Italy will edge it out at the end. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be a very tight one. And I think for all that it's been said about this Italy side, I, I think it would be rightly so to go to that final. Mm-hmm. The second game, obviously, England against Denmark. Uh, like I said beforehand, England will finish the tournament at Wembley. Win or lose, they will end it there. And so, I mean, uh, Rob, I know it's been we've you've been through the situation multiple times. You know, many semifinals, 1990, 96, 2018. Uh, but now, I think, and, and you know, many people can say it's coming home and whatnot. But I, I think surely for this type of game, England are looking in really, really good prime position to go into that final. I see England winning this one, but I can't underestimate Denmark. They have a really good side. They've been really motivated from the loss of Ericsson. They have some good players. The Olberg's being great. Um, you know, they've, they've had, they have a really good team. And so I expect, I hope a tight one as well, but I think England edges out. What do you think? Yeah, my, my first ever England game as a kid was 1995, I think. Anyway, it was England against Denmark at Wembley at the old Wembley with with Schmeichel in goal, but it was it was Peter Schmeichel, of course. And England won that day 1-0 in a quite tight game with uh, David Platt scoring. David Platt's one of the few Englishmen that has actually uh, won more than one quarterfinal. Most of them were were in this current team because they won the World Cup quarterfinal and and then yesterday. Um, so anyway, I think it's going to be something like that, a tight game, especially because of someone like Schmeichel, who who has kind of been such an important part. And, and you know, Denmark have that really good kind of spine of players as well. So I, I don't think we'll see kind of a 4-0 or anything like that again. I think England will win, but it'll be 1-0 with maybe a, maybe Harry Kane scores again. Yeah, <laughs> seems like, and, and I said that in a tweet as well, Joe. That I think once Harry Kane gets gets his goals and he got that goal against Germany, boom, he scores against uh, Ukraine as well. But I, I think England do edge this one out. What do you think? I, I do as well. Um, and it's, it'll be it'll be sad for the the general fan who's watching the person that has no rooting interest because I think everyone's kind of latched onto Denmark. Uh, in this particular tournament, given what's happened to them. But uh, the emergence of Casper Dolberg in this match is is going to be, it's fantastic. Um, he's basically replaced Joseph Paulson um, on the starting lineup. And I, and again, I'm, I agree with both of you where I don't see this becoming a blowout. I do think England will win. Um, I think there will probably be something like a 2-0, something along those lines, maybe even a 3-1, but it won't be anything of a blowout of sorts. Um, I was shocked that England uh, in the England-Ukraine match, I expected a better fight out of Ukraine and and it just never materialized. So I, I think England are primed to run to the final here, but I, I, I think they should be cautious. This is a team in Denmark that's playing with a lot of spirit, a lot of heart, um, given what's happened to them in this tournament so far. And, and I think they're not going to be a pushover, um, but their experience will lend them to keep this a tight match. Um, but I think ultimately England prevail. And then for that, that means we have a big showdown next weekend at Wembley, England against Italy. Obviously, England haven't won the European Championships ever, but they also haven't won a major title since 1966. Italy, on the other hand, you know, they haven't won a major title since 2006, haven't won the Euro since 1968. So it's going to be a long time for both these teams that have yet to taste European silverware. And, you know, I think it's fascinating for me being the neutral, obviously, against two teams, two, two of you guys who have your rooting interests. But... I expect a really tight game with this one. I, I I don't know what to say on this one, but I think that 
you know, being at home, they've played so well that there's something special about this side. And, you know, all the negative criticism that has been made on this England side beforehand. And, you know, I, I think Southgate has done a great job with them. I think that semifinal, you know, making it there at the World Cup wasn't a fluke. And I think that, you know, heading into this game, that they will be very, very motivated to get something out there and win a trophy for this side, for this young generation that can really provide a a lot of joy to to a lot of people. So I'm going to say that it's coming home and that England will win the European Championships next week on Wembley. I see a tight one in this one, but I think England edges it out. Ralph, what do you say? Or do do you have your, your pessimistic English mentality for this one? Not not pessimistic, but I don't think I can go as far as as calling the final before the semi final. Like I think I think if we get if we get there, um, then a the final, you know, it can it can go anyway. There's you know there's it can be so many kind of decisions or tense moments or tight things. So I just I'm not gonna call it because I don't. That is jinxing it too much for me. <laughs> so it's fine. Gonna, no, no, I'm no. It's fine. It's fine. That's fine, but Joe, are, are you going to sit in the fence on this one? At well, least? I'm going to tell both of you right now, it's coming home. And when I say home, I mean Rome. All roads lead to Rome. So I'm saying Italy's going to win it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe we're jinxing us, but uh, what three guys say on a podcast on a Sunday morning in the United States will not affect how that ball bounces on the pitch at Wembley in a week's time. The, the ball so, is round. The ball, the ball is round. Like ball is round. And yeah, and it means it means anybody can win at any time. And Ralph, to that end, um, your point is well taken that we're, we're predicting finals before the semifinals are decided. Um, you, you know, so, so I, I understand that, but at the same time, I, I have to turn my Italy shirt in if I don't, uh, if I don't say Italy at this one. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident. I got to tell you that the midfield trio of Barella, Jorginho and Verratti has been, absolutely exquisite over this uh over these past couple matches they they look like a, a fine-tuned machine and they seem to be able to kind of anticipate where each other is and where they're moving and where the passes should be they've been absolutely phenomenal they're going to miss Spinazzola working with Lorenzo Insigne on that left side that is absolutely given but I do think that they have enough there and and Federico Chiesa is somebody we weren't talking about really at the beginning of this tournament, but now has become one of those players where teams have to question how they handle him because his pace, his skill, um, it's all out there. And and I think uh, I think also this Italian side I said on Talk Sport the other night is really moving up and down the pitch like a club side. They really move together up and down, up and down. And none of the other teams do that. And we don't normally see something like that in international football where a team plays like a club team because they're so well-trained and they've they spent so much time together. And this Italian side does look like that. And it could be part of their experience, even though they have youth. But uh, it could be the, the the key pieces in the right places, like Chiellini and, and, and Verratti that we've talked about before. But for some reason, this Italian side looks um, more of the club team, looks more like an Inter or, or more like a PSG than they do like um, a Spain or, or a, a Netherlands where they don't play quite as uh, blended together. So Absolutely. I, I, go ahead. I'm, I'm, so I think for me, if Italy and, and England get there, I think that would be an incredibly tight match. I think uh, it'll have a lot of eyeballs all around the world watching, but I do think Italy will edge that one out and take the uh, trophy home. 
it would be a really interesting one. Hey, you know, for what it's worth, maybe Spain and Denmark make it, and we just completely blow all of our predictions well, out of the water. In, so, in that case, I'm taking let's, Spain. Let's, uh, yeah, I would say as well. Ah, no, I'd like to see Denmark win it, though. That would be a nice story. But, um, yeah, it'll be a very fascinating semifinals. And obviously, you know, when the finals happens, it'll be just as interesting. Let's shift gears to the Copa America real quick. Obviously, the other tournament that's been going on this summer, we saw our quarterfinals have occurred we saw a dramatic six goal thriller between peru and paraguay happen uh three three in 90 minutes only for peru to win in on penalties four three brazil defeating chile thanks to a lucas paqueta goal and early in the second half then the following day uruguay and colombia were held to a nil nil draw only for colombia to win on penalties in this one and argentina defeating ecuador three nil two goal uh, two assists from Lionel messi and a fantastic free kick from him to close off the night and set up our two semifinals. You know, Ralph, I'm going to go to you on this one as well. I think we're in a similar situation as to what we're seeing in the Euros. Um, I think we kind of expected two of those sides to really fight for that for that title. Um, I'm obviously talking about Brazil and Argentina. Obviously, you know, they won't be facing each other if it was to happen until a potential final. But, you know, Peru have really done well, at least from ju- at least from from a side that, you know, we're kind of having kind of a, a, a bad start to qualifying. They went into this tournament. It got smacked 4-0 by Brazil, but that only made them more better. Defeating Colombia, tying Ecuador, beating Venezuela, then beating Paraguay. And now they're here with the semifinal against, uh, you know, a rematch of the final from two years ago. And then for Argentina, the same old situation. What will happen with this side? Can Messi get something from this team to, to finally win a, a major title. So what, what are your thoughts on, on these two semifinals? And, you know, how, how do you see them uh, manage? How do you see both of them ending out? Well, I think in, in slight contrast to the Euros, I think you have two clear favorites, which are, which are Brazil and Argentina. I mean, the, the gap they've been showing in, in World Cup qualifying leading up to this Copa America, they, you know, they've, they've really put themselves up there as, as the two best teams, Brazil even more so. I mean, they, you know, they're almost they're almost impossible to beat under Chiche, the coach, and they're playing at home. Even though that wasn't the plan, this you know, these games were probably going to be in Argentina, I think, by by this originally. But now everything's held in Brazil, so you do have these kind of clear favourites. Um, but but picking up on your point about Peru, yeah, they they really seem to impress in in these kind of knockout games and Copa Americas, this is, this is a semifinal, um, I think since 2011 or even 2015. So they, you know, they just, they all managed to find their way into the, the semifinals. And with Gareca as coach, he's obviously got this, this kind of way of motivating when, when the big games up. And he's also started to do it this time with, with a different squad. You know, he doesn't have some of the classic, Older players like Paulo Guerrero or uh, Jefferson Farfan, who is used in previous tournaments. So, I mean, you know, Peru is it's something to look out for. But what we've seen recent recent history is Brazil do have the better of them, and and this Brazil team are just really hard to to find that you know the weakness or or break down because it's not just that they have people like like Neymar, Firmino, uh, Gabriel Jesus up front. I mean, they've they've got a really strong base. Uh, Castro is so important for that team. The way he kind of uh, holds the the team together with and without the ball, he, he's kind of always in the right spot positionally wise. And then when he receives the ball, he starts 
he can help start building attacks from deep. Um, so it's, you know, I think it's a very difficult one there. And Argentina, it's kind of that same story. Here they are again. Um, you know, Messi is is always almost, I mean, they're a much better team than we've seen recently, but, but Messi's always the one that's kind of, you know, dragging them over the line when they need him or he, or he pops up when they need him. Um, and it's and it's his kind of personal quest. I think he's he's won everything except for a major title with with Argentina. And in fact, Argentina haven't won a title since 1993. So I mean, the clock keeps keeps ticking. It's it's incredible to think it could be almost 30 years. With, you know, with them not winning a, a title or a Copa America. Um, I do think we will get that Brazil Argentina final, which which is. I guess what what the organizers always set this up for. It's just interesting to point out it doesn't happen very often. You would kind of assume that Brazil and Argentina have played each other a lot in finals. This would only be the fourth time in the Copa America. Um, but I think that's you know I'm, I'm, my sneaky feeling is where we're where we're headed because um, these two teams have been above the rest of the competition. If if you do make that final of Brazil and Argentina, Ralph, who do you see it? Because I, I think I agree as well, but. It's, it's tough for, I mean, Brazil has lost their their home record. Okay, they did lose in that World Cup, and they haven't lost a, a, a competitive game before that, I think since the 70s or something. So it's really hard for them to to really break that voodoo of, of, of you know, just continuing to win on home soil. But I, I think we're going to see a repeat champion, don't you think? Yeah, I think every, everything would, would point to Brazil. They're in the, the Maracanã you know, for the final, and... This team has been so strong that this team has got the better of, of Argentina recently as well. Um, so I, you know, it, it would all it would really be a case. I mean, you don't like to maybe build up, you know, just put everything on Messi, but it really would need something of of Messi magic to kind of unlock that that Brazilian team. I mean, I don't want to discredit the rest of Argentina's team because Scaloni has actually built a structure that seems to be working quite well. I think they seem to be playing more as a unit as I've seen them maybe in the last kind of three or four years. Um, But you do think, you know, that you need some, you'd need some individual genius and and only at the level Messi really to, to be able to beat Brazil at home. And I'm not sure if, even if that would be, be possible. They have a very formidable record there. Uh, and Joe, you know, we had talked about this as well, even before the tournament started. And you had mentioned, you know, you even talked to me the other day during the game against Ecuador is that, you know, for Messi's case, you know, it, it's it's more of that kind of, you know, personal uh, goal to finally win something now with the clock ticking on his career. The fact that now he's a free agent, as we talked today. So it's not the case of what's going to happen in, in his case for Barcelona, but it's it's going to be it's it's now or never but that's the case it's like messi can do everything that he does and he's done that for for argentina he's been able to make those plays he's been able to to feed the ball to the attackers but it's just a case of you know the fact that that team only wants to work through messi and nothing more so i think if argentina and brazil do face off in that final and obviously we're just waiting for peru and colombia to obviously ruin our predictions but i think um i i I think we have to see the best Lionel Messi. They have to play the perfect game against Brazil to to get that elusive Copa America title. But I just don't see that happening against a Brazil side that look absolutely formidable. Yeah, and the reason is is because the the perfect Argentina performance might 
win this for them, but it won't take a perfect uh, Brazil performance to win it for them just because of the difference in talent. You have, though, you have seen, though, on uh, on Messi's side that there is a, a sense of urgency and, and, and a sense of his want to win this tournament. You even saw it again last night against Ecuador where, where he's, he just seems a little more spirited. And, uh, and I think that is, is trouble for a Brazilian side. And, and even before the Brazilian side, you know, you know, with the with the matchup coming up against Colombia, uh, it's a big, uh, it's a big ask for them as well. So I, I think, uh, I think it's something that, you know, is going to be interesting to keep an eye on. I do think that Argentina and Brazil both get there. Peru's been impressive for me. Um, we, you know, we were just talking about a couple of weeks ago where we thought Gareca was going to get sacked uh, right away from this because he wouldn't probably qualify. And, and here we are in the semifinals. So he's done a, a fantastic job. The team has played very, very well under him. And uh, I, I think Gareca will stay on a little bit longer. But for me, the prediction, like you gentlemen said, Argentina, Brazil in the final, and uh, and definitely the um, the winner would probably be Brazil in that one. So, um, <clears throat> gentlemen, I'm going to start to close out the show here. Let's give a list of matches of the week coming up. And in the uh, in the Euros, if we go back to Europe, we will uh, we'll see that on Tuesday, Italy and Spain will play their semifinal match. And on Wednesday, you have the England um, Denmark matchup coming up. And with the finals uh, coming up on Sunday in that one, the Sunday time I'm just looking at it, looking for it right right now is currently slated. Uh, I believe it's going to be at three o'clock on Sunday. And in the Copa America, we have on Monday, tomorrow, Brazil, Peru. Uh, on Tuesday, we'll have uh, Argentina, Colombia. And then the final will be played, I believe, on Saturday on that one. So um, check your local listings for both those. And then when we get back from our little break here, we're going to dive deeper into MLS, uh, into Gold Cup as well. So uh, I don't have the trivia answer. Uh, again, we gave that out earlier in the show uh, for a change. And so without anything left on the closing uh, docket, I would like to hit the closing music, gentlemen. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, Ralph, again, thank you for joining us on the show. We really appreciated having you on. Um, Next week, we are going to be off. We will be returning on the 18th, and we'll start to look at Gold Cup. We'll dive deeper into MLS, and we will also start to look at the transfer window as it's opened up. So, for episode 331 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Ritter Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.